Hey, I'm Jess. Welcome to Music Notes. From throwbacks, modern hits, and media, I like to discuss what's trending in music. I specifically uploaded this episode on February 9th, 2024, because it marks 60 years ago today that 73 million tuned into the Beatles' U.S. performance on The Ed Sullivan Show. This historical moment set a bar in media, music, and pop culture. When Ed Sullivan and his booking agent, Jack Babb, found out the Beatles were interested in performing on the Variety Show, Jack attended two of their concerts in the UK, and Ed witnessed the amount of fans waiting for them to come back from Sweden while on a separate London vacation. To coincide with I Wanna Hold Your Hand's single release date, January 25, 1964, the Beatles' TV appearance was scheduled for Sunday, February 9th. Becoming a radio hit ahead of time, Press and fans saw them off February 7th at London's Heathrow Airport, a press conference arrival at Queens, New York's JFK Airport, and a BBC phone interview was recorded at the Plaza Hotel later that night. George Harrison missed rehearsal night before due to strep throat, but braved it for showtime. During two sets, the Beatles sang All My Loving, Till There Was You, She Loves You, I Saw Her Standing There, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Elvis Presley and his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, sent them a written telegram, welcomed them to the U.S., and good luck on their appearance. Two additional Beatles appearances were shown the next two weeks on The Ed Sullivan Show. Their concert in Miami and pre-tape performances done on the 9th, singing Twist and Shout and Please Please Me. Spoken ever since influencing classic rock, teen demographics, the British invasion, and media promotion, the Beatles' music success lives on. Celebrating all my loving of their songs, I made a playlist of nine Beatles cover songs done by famous musicians. You can hear and follow along in the link I provided in the description. Comparison to the originals, let's take music notes. Starting upbeat, our first cover comes from one of my top five favorite bands that was sung in a Beatles musical-themed film. Earth, Wind, and Fire, We Worked Got to Get You Into My Life in 1978's Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. My first listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire's version was about 20 years ago, and I didn't know it was a Beatles song. I somehow didn't come across the track from 1966's Revolver album. Paul McCartney sings lead, and according to BeatlesBible.com, he wrote it about marijuana easing his mind. Quoted from his 1997 book, Many Years From Now, Got to Get You Into My Life was one I wrote when I had been first introduced to pot. I'd been a rather straight working-class lad, but when we started to get into pot, it seemed to me to be quite uplifting. I didn't have a hard time with it, and to me, it was mind-expanding. Literally, mind-expanding. So Gotta Get You Into My Life is really a song about that. It's not to a person, it's actually about pot. It's saying, I'm gonna do this. This isn't the only Beatles tune correlating to drug use, and I do believe it was key in their music's unique versatility. Earth, Wind, and Fire escalates Got To Get You Into My Life by ad-libbing the different ways of singing the title, swinging the melody, 
and I love how frontman Maurice White handled the lyrics. He sings the first two original verses and bounces the call and response with his bandmates throughout the song. Improvising with just the title and no chorus, Earth, Wind & Fire modernized a Beatles hit higher than they did. They sung it at a benefit concert scene in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band as the small town Heartland needs the title character's help when trying to become a popular rock band. Named after another Beatles song, Mean Mr. Mustard tries taking over the town and sabotaging their happiness of enjoying music. The Bee Gees and Peter Frampton portrayed Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band covering Beatles songs from that 1967 album and utilize other compositions from their other albums. I just rented the movie and felt like I was watching a tribute concert mixed with separate musical numbers filled with celebrities. George Burns, Alice Cooper, Steve Martin, Aerosmith, and Billy Preston. I did like seeing Robin and Morris Gibb having solo moments from the Bee Gees, usually their older brother Barry would sing lead. A nod to the Beatles' 1967 album cover of celebrities illustrated with the band members, famous cameos of all kind join in singing Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band reprise at the end of the movie. I've shared that list for you to see how many in the info. At 1979's Grammys, Earth, Wind & Fire was nominated Best Pop Performance by a Duo, a Group with Vocals and won Best Instrumental Arrangement Accompanying Vocalist for Got to Get You Into My Life. That charted number 33 in the UK, number 30 Easy Listening, number 9 on the Hot 100, and number 1 Hot Soul Singles. I also pasted a link from my Twitter account when I replied to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's question of a favorite Beatles cover on April 2nd, 2020. The closest seal approval I got from them was a like when I answered Earth, Wind & Fire's Got to Get You Into My Life. Ringo Starr sang this next song with the rest of his Beatles lineup of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, with a little help from my friends. Because that title track is a short two minutes, DJs would let the next song play as a part two of its ending and has continued in future programming. John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote it with Ringo in mind just so they could take turns including everyone in the band to sing. Another lyric example alluding to drugs, I get high with a little help from my friends. Peter Frampton sang the film version. The one I put on this playlist was recorded a decade prior by Joe Cocker. His debut album, With a Little Help from My Friends, came out April 23, 1969. I'm familiar with that date. That's my birthday 20 years earlier. That time frame was also part of the Beatles' latter years and musical shift altogether. Joe Cocker broke through as a white, raspy soul singer backed up by four African-American female singers. Stylistically bringing with a little help from my friends to church, the ladies rejoiced the title as the chorus and questioned his need of company. Joe slows down the original tempo of the verses and growls out the desperation of needing someone by his side in the bridge. He sounded that way at 24. Adding more star power, Procol Harum's drummer B.J. Wilson and Led Zeppelin's guitarist Jimmy Page are also playing on this recorded single. Released six months before the album in the UK, Joe Cocker sang with a little help from my friends at Woodstock 69's concert in Woodstock, New York 
and Isle of Wight's festival two weeks later, back in the UK. This was also the Wonder Years teen comedy theme song, 1988-1993, to on ABC. If you were to ask me which version of With a Little Help from My Friends I prefer, I have a soft spot for Ringo already, and commend Joe Cocker putting his out when he did. I'd say a tie, and I'm surprised Joe's single didn't chart as high as you think. Number 68 on the Hop 100, number 54, Cashbox Magazine, number 1 in the UK and Belgium. When he died in 2014 from lung cancer, Paul McCartney mentioned he was blown away hearing the recording session and stayed in touch. Other Beatles cover songs that Joe Cocker sang were All Cry Instead, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, and You've Got to Hide Your Love Away. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is the only Beatles album to be viewed as a concept album without any singles. Not until 1978's album, Sgt. Pepper, and with a little help from my friends, charted number 71 on the Hop 100 and number 63 in the UK. One advantage streaming has nowadays for overdue credit. As you'll notice on this playlist, I've selected songs that were sung by each Beatle. George Harrison sings Love Ballad Something so gentle, you could barely hear what he's saying. There was at least one singer who could, and dubbed it one of the greatest love songs in the past 50 years. Covering it live at special concerts, audience loved it enough for them to own a copy and later hear it on a compilation. Classing up George Harrison's low acoustic instrumentation, Frank Sinatra turns something into a beautiful standard. He sings the same composed tempo and belts the bridge adding a funny jazz catchphrase. You're asking me, will my love grow? Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. You stick around, Jack. It might show. I don't know. No, I don't know. You stick around, Jack? It amuses me so much. Frank Sinatra's Something was released a year after the Beatles's in 1970. It can be found now on 1980 compilation box set, Trilogy, Past, Present, Future. I occasionally watch PBS and saw them broadcasting a Pledge Week showing of Frank Sinatra's archive performances. The same footage I link for you is from 1982's Concert for the Americas in the Dominican Republic. I had difficulty finding that album at the time and instead purchased Frank Sinatra, The Concert Collection, 7 DVD set. Tried looking up when I watched this, believe it was 2010 when they added deluxe content. George Harrison dedicated something to his first wife, Patty Boyd, then he took it back when they divorced. He stated, when I wrote it, in my mind, I heard Ray Charles singing it, and he did do it some years later. At the time, I wasn't particularly thrilled that Frank Sinatra did something. I'm more thrilled now than I was then. I really wasn't into Frank. He was the generation before me. I was more interested when Smokey Robinson did it and when James Brown did it. But I'm very pleased now who's ever done it. I realize that the sign of a good song is when it has lots of cover versions. I met Michael Jackson somewhere at the BBC. The fellow interviewing us made a comment about something, and Michael said, Oh, you wrote that? I thought it was a Lennon-McCartney. Recommended by the Beatles engineer George Martin, certain songs contained orchestra instruments to give more character. I'm glad George Harrison grew to appreciate Frank Sinatra's something. I hope you do, too. 
On Spotify, it's been streamed 1,080,000. Off 1969's Abbey Road, The Beatles Something was released B-side to Come Together. It charted number 17, Easy Listening, number 4 in the UK, number 2, Cashbox Magazine, and number 1 on the Hop 100 for three weeks. Speaking of Come Together, a couple known covers are Ike and Tina Turner, Aerosmith did it on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band's movie soundtrack, and Michael Jackson featured his own on 1995 double disc, History, Past, Present, and Future, Book 1. DC comic fans will be pleased with this one. Gary Clark Jr. rocks out his voice and guitar at the end of Justice League's credits. In the rare times I go to the movies, I sat in the theater fully entertained by the special effects and built-up energy hearing Come Together mashed up. Tom Holkenberg goes by the name Junkie XL, remixing classic songs with modern electronic beats. Gary Clark Jr. vibrantly enhances Come Together's melody, bass and guitar riffs, and ruggedly sings the lyrics solo. The start-and-stop production Junkie XL does in between totally breaks away from how John and Paul duet the Beatles' 1969 Abbey Road track. I equate Gary Clark Jr. as my generation's Jimi Hendrix. He's just incredible. Revived since the 1960s, Justice League's comic book history entails DC comic characters coming together to battle villains. A music video montages 2017's movie scenes and Gary Clark Jr.'s masterwork against a digital art background. As a digital single, this modern come-together charted number 27 digital songs, number 15 hot rock songs, number 7 hot rock and alternative songs, and number 4 rock digital songs. Picking another Beatles song penned by George Harrison and Off Abbey Road. Here Comes the Sun was written visiting his friend Eric Clapton's Garden. You can just feel the sun hearing George play his acoustic guitar. It's so pretty and optimistic, like springtime, which is my favorite season. I can tell you, living in the Northeast, there's nothing like the freedom of enjoying weather again after the cold fall and winter. Sounding just as cheerful and sung an octave higher, Cheryl Crow covered Here Comes the Sun at the end of 2007 animated movie, The Bee Movie. Jerry Seinfeld stars and produced this comedic family flick about a recent college graduate feeling the pressure to commit a job among his beehive colony. His character Barry B. Benson stalls for more time flying out of the hive and discovers humans can profit making honey at the cost of bees' pollination. Taking this matter to court with a new human friend, Vanessa, played by Renee Zellweger, Barry's case wins but then realizes how resourceful Honey is and doesn't want to deprive society. With assistance from Vanessa, Barry and other bees absorb Honey at Pasadena's Tournament of Roses parade floats. Here Comes the Sun is played during the scene and Barry decides to share off the space at Vanessa's flower shop as a new lawyer. It's a clever, funny movie. You'll appreciate it if you're a Seinfeld fan. I've always loved it. Cheryl Crow was the first to get inducted into 2023's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and opened the ceremony so great. She's got such a friendly voice and uplifts music and whenever she sings. 
Her 12th album, Evolution, is scheduled to come out March 29th. Concluding the B-movie soundtrack, Here Comes the Sun wasn't released as a single, has accrued over 1.5 million Spotify streams. Much later after its original release, The Beatles' Here Comes the Sun ranked number 64 in the UK 2012 and number 3 Hot Rock Songs for its 50th anniversary in 2019. A lot of layered trivia to disclose here. Blackbird's a song Paul McCartney wrote on his acoustic guitar and tapped his foot in the background. There's two different titles to refer the 1968 album it's on. Some may say The Beatles because their name is on the cover of a blank white album. I refer to it as others might call it, The White Album. Cover by cover, Paul credits classical composer Johann Sebastian Bach on Blackbird's chord progression. Originated by 1717's Sweet in E minor, he plucked those music notes at the start of Blackbird's verses. Even though a bird chirping is heard in the Beatles recording, Paul McCartney revealed it was about the civil rights movement. I had in mind a black woman rather than a bird. Those were the days of the civil rights movement, which all of us cared passionately about, so this was really a song for me to a black woman experiencing these problems in the States. Let me encourage you to keep trying, to keep your faith. There is hope. As is often is the case with my things, a veiling took place, so rather than saying black woman living in Little Rock and be very specific, she became a bird, became symbolic, so you could apply it to your particular problem. The finished lyrics are, Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to be free. Blackbird, fly. Blackbird, fly. Into the light of the dark black night. John Lennon tweaked some of these lyrics and shared songwriting credit as Lennon McCartney. Nicknamed as the Fifth Beatle, Billy Preston had played with Fats Domino, Sam Cooke, Little Richard, Ray Charles, and recruited by John Lennon to accompany as a session organ musician for the Beatles. He's closely documented in the Beatles' 2021 documentary, Get Back. Into the 1970s and 80s, Billy Preston had hits and snuck in a cover of Blackbird. He and his band sang in great harmony on 1972 album, Music Is My Life. Billy premiered Blackbird February 17, 1973, among NBC's late-night music show, Midnight Special. I heard Billy Preston's Blackbird recently on radio. Certainly holds a different meaning now after reading this backstory, and I love hearing his band sing harmony beside him. B-side to Will It Go Round in Circles? It charted number 20 South Africa, number 10 Hot Soul Singles, number 1 in Canada, and the Hop 100 for two weeks. There's never a good time to talk about taxes, and even the Beatles divulged their financial woes back in the 1960s. George Harrison was in disbelief how much earnings was being taken out and understood why people were moving out of Great Britain. 
John Lennon's uncredited helping him write up Taxman on 1966's Revolver album. They call out Prime Minister Harold Wilson and future Prime Minister conservative leader Ted Heath. Picture if they all saw the inflation we're in now after the pandemic. I figured out how to do my own taxes to save service fees, been doing decent overall. When I started practicing themes to play at my college radio station, I retrieved a cool, grungy Taxman cover by supergroup The Power Station. Rock singer Robert Palmer, Sheik's disco drummer Tony Thompson, Duran Duran's guitarist Andy Taylor, and this time Sheik's bassist Bernard Edwards replaced Duran Duran's bassist John Taylor. The Power Station recorded a self-titled album in 1985, and Sheik's bassist Bernard Edwards replaced John Taylor on 1996's Living in Fear for the second album. Their Taxman version is very underrated and heavy-sounded like its beliefs. It closes Living in Fear's track list and now shedding light how awesome the Power Station pulled this off. Let's see if we can increase Taxman past the 65,000 streams on Spotify. The Beatles' Taxman begins Revolver's album and is yet to chart. Maybe some future tax season it will. Slowing things down our last two songs, I was amazed to learn how a Beatles cover helped a famous duo get noticed, but their next album got things running. Singers Karen and Richard Carpenter fitted into the singer-songwriting era into the 1970s. Using their legal last name, the Carpenters would duet vocally in two-part harmony, Karen singing lead, lightly playing the drums, and Richard orchestrating the melodies on piano. Ticket to Ride refers to a breakup officially ending as a lover's preparing to leave town. Karen Carpenter's voice always had a hint of solemnness, and slowing down Ticket to Ride's chorus grasped the heartbreak so clear. Richard Carpenter suggested to cover Ticket to Ride as a debut single on 1969's Offering. Offering's album cover looked dated and unflattering to introduce the Carpenters, but Ticket to Ride managed to go number 54 on the Hot 100 and number 19, Easy Listening. About six months later, they also covered the Beatles song Help, a candid photo of them sitting on a rocky beach on the cover of Close to You and reached success. Ballads They Long to Be, Close to You, and We've Only Just Begun led them to win Best New Artist at the Grammys. Offering's album was re-released a year after its original date in 1970, retitled Ticket to Ride, and this time showing Richard and Karen sitting on a little yacht in the sunshine. Paul McCartney and John Lennon originally collaborated Ticket to Ride's duet completely. Off England's Isle of Wight, they remembered visiting Paul Cousins' bet, her husband Mike, and their Union Street pub in Ride, spelled R-Y-D-E. From 1965's Help, Ticket to Ride was the Beatles' third number one in the U.S. and seventh in the U.K. And in the end, we'll channel artistic experimentation dedicating this cover to the sudden loss of John Lennon's murder. Hypnotizing the listener into a mental and musical state Tomorrow Never Knows derives 1964 book, The Psychedelic Experience, a manual based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. 
John Lennon bought that book and supposedly recorded himself reading it under LSD. Crossing paths with folk band The Birds, George Harrison became infatuated learning about Ravi Shankar and India's culture. Catching on to John, all of the Beatles would travel there in 1968. The innovative music genius to match the psychedelia was Phil Collins. Mimicking the audio mumbling and closing trackless spot, Tomorrow Never Knows was reinterpreted on his 1981 solo album, Face Value. Phil's first wife cheated on him while on tour with his band Genesis and put those emotions to music using synthesizers and drum machines. Random sound effects are interspersed with Phil Collins' echoey singing just the way John Lennon would have loved following his 1980 double fantasy album. Documentary series Classic Albums interviewed Phil in 1999, sharing the engineering secrets, creating face values tracks. He said Tomorrow Never Knows was always a favorite Beatles track of his and wanted to tribute John. Mission accomplished. There's a moment of silence towards the ending and sings out Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. Calculated on face value Spotify link, Tomorrow Never Knows has almost 2 million streams. Here's to another 60 tomorrow years hearing the Fab Four's infinite body of work. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you were entertained learning about these facts as I am. Two memorable Beatles dates in my lifetime were September 9th, 2009, when Beatles Rock Band's video game came out, heard the entire catalog in six hours that day on an oldie station, and 10 years ago, watched Paul and Ringo return back to the Ed Sullivan Theater with David Letterman. Tell me which of their songs appeal to you, cover or not, and recommendations you'd like me to check out. Email musicmillswithjess at gmail.com, follow our social media, and comment on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate and review wherever you're streaming. I'm Jess. Next episode, we'll discuss 2024's halftime show artist, Usher. I pre-planned a top 10. Depending upon how his performance goes, I may critique that or work it into the countdown and new album he just put out. We'll find out together. Enjoy watching the game, commercials, and performances, and I'll talk to you again next week.